We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Last year, on Easter weekend, me and my family were gone due to a medical emergency in our family. And this year, all of you are gone due to a medical emergency. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, two years in a row, this is kind of an abnormal Easter for us. So here's my prayer is that next year we have an Easter with no medical emergencies and a normal time of worshiping together. Uh, but for now, here we are together virtually, and it's good to be with you uh, as you're turning uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke's found in the New Testament. New Testament, if you're not familiar with Luke or with the scriptures, uh, it's towards the uh, latter part of the scriptures, uh, and it's an account of Jesus' life and ministry. And so this passage we're looking at this morning is really a, a, a famous passage. It's, in fact, one of Jesus' most famous sermons uh, and his most famous teachings, but it's not typically a passage that we look at on Easter Sunday. And, and so there's a reason that we're looking at this passage today. And the reason is I want us to spend some time talking about true, real, and lasting happiness. You see, Easter is meant to be a time of celebration and joy. It's meant to be a time when we're happy, when we're joyful, when we're praising God, celebrating the resurrection of Christ and the joy that we can have and the life that we can have in him. You see, but right now, with the situation we're in, a lot of us are very unhappy. We're in the midst of a global pandemic, and, and we're struggling with a lot of different things. Some of us are wrestling and, uh, with loneliness and battling depression. Some of us are struggling with anxiety and fears and worries. We don't know what the future holds or what it looks like. And so in a time in which you know, we, we experience things like illness and death, and, and the world is just kind of crazy and like we've never seen it before, this idea of happiness and even its pursuit can seem futile, can seem kind of ridiculous and impossible. But I want us to talk this morning about genuine and lasting happiness because this kind of happiness that we're talking about this morning is made possible through the resurrection of Christ and only in him, and it transcends pandemics. It transcends our fears. It transcends our anxieties and our depression. And, and it enters into the midst of a situation like this and brings us joy and peace. And so this morning, we're going to look at uh, two major things, two major ideas. The first one is called the, the blessing of need. And the second is the problem of good. And if you hear that and it sounds kind of, you know, paradoxical or opposite of the way that it should be to you, then, then you're, you're starting to get a little bit of the point already. Uh, and we're going to look at uh, why it is, it is blessed to be needful, to be in need, and why there is a real problem when, when life is just going good all the time. And so we're going to look at these two ideas and, and look at this idea of genuine, lasting happiness and joy in Christ. And I hope you'll enjoy our time together. I know that I will enjoy spending it with you. But we're going to look at Luke chapter 6, 
starting in verse 20, and talk about these two ideas and four things that keep us from believing the resurrection of Christ. So look with me at verse 20, starting in in Luke chapter 6. Here's what Luke writes for us, and these are Jesus' words to his disciples. It says, And he, he, Jesus, lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets." But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation, and woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall, you shall mourn and weep, and woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Would you pray with me just real quickly, briefly, one more time? Lord Jesus, we ask that you would be with us now in this moment, that your spirit would help us to understand these words that you've spoken to us. God, give us understanding of your teachings. Help us to understand why it is blessed to be in need and and, and the problems that are involved uh, when things are just going well. Help us to understand true, lasting happiness in Christ that's made possible by the resurrection this morning. And God, help us to honor you as we do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to start by talking about this idea of the blessing of need. You see, Jesus here, uh, these are what are called the Beatitudes in Scripture. And, and, and they're these, these short, pithy statements uh, uh, about life and about being. And, and Jesus starts each one of them out with this word, blessed. You see that word blessed there in verse 20, and then all the way down uh, through verse 23, you see that Jesus keeps saying, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And and what you'll notice in this first section is that Jesus is essentially saying, uh, blessed are the people who have no earthly reason to be happy. You see, this word blessed, it's probably better translated from the original language. The Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And and so the original word here that Jesus used when he's teaching the disciples on that day, uh, it, it really meant something more along the lines of happy or flourishing. And so what Jesus is getting at here in his teaching to his disciples, and then really what the whole of Scripture is getting at, is there is a way to flourish. There is a way to be happy in this life. There is a way to genuine human flourishing, and and Jesus is, is, is teaching on it here. So essentially, he's saying, happy are the people who have no earthly reasons to be happy, Flourishing are the people who, in the world's eyes, are not flourishing. You see, there's kind of a, a paradox, and, and it seems like oxymoronic and, and, and strange to us. And it should. You see, Jesus is getting at something really specific here. He says, notice that he says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
You see, notice that word are. You see, that word blessed means flourishing or, or happy. And then he says are. You see, that's, that's a state of being. It's not an action, is it? It's not something that we do. You see, you and I, we, we would love for happiness to be achievable for us. You see, we spend our whole lives pursuing it, don't we? We, 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 we do everything in life to try and, and set it up to be as good as it can be and, and for us to be as happy as we can possibly be. And, and I don't know about you, but what I've found is, is that even the, the more that I try, the more that it just seems out of my reach. The more you do, the more you achieve in life, the more success you have, the more, the, you know, your, your marriage and, and, your, and your kids can be doing well and, and things can be going great for you in life. Maybe you just got a promotion before this whole thing started and, and you know, things were going great, and, but, but there was still just something missing. You see, that's because genuine, lasting happiness, it's not something that we can achieve. It's not something that we can get a hold of by something that we do. It's a state of being. You see, we were made to be in relationship with our maker. We were made to be in connection with God, our creator. We were made to be in relationship with him. And, and, and true blessing, true flourishing, true happiness is only found in this state of being, in connection with God, in relationship with him. And you see, that's what this weekend that we celebrate makes possible. That's what the cross makes possible. You see, on Good Friday, we talked about how the, the cross, the reason that Friday is good, the reason we call it Good Friday and celebrate it is because Jesus stood in our place and took our punishment for all the ways in which we've walked away from God and rebelled against his will for us. And it makes it good because it means that you and I don't have to bear that punishment if we trust in him. Instead, that, that separation between us and God, because that's our state of being apart from Christ. That's what we are, as we're separated from God. But the cross makes it possible for us to be reconciled to him. It changes our state of being. And so Jesus, he says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. You see, he's going to say, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who weep now, and blessed are those who are, who are hated by others on account of him. You see, Jesus, he says, all these reasons that the world would look at your life and say, man, that is not a person who is flourishing. That is not a person who is happy. They can actually lead you into a real lasting happiness that the world doesn't understand. You see, he says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Jesus, he, he's talking about our need here. You see, people who are poor and people who are hungry, they're, they're aware that they are in need. Whenever, you know, think about it like this. Whenever you haven't been able to pay a bill or you're not sure how you're going to be able to make ends meet at the end of the month, you're aware that you're in need in that moment. If, if you've ever been, uh, you know, in, in, in real hunger, like you didn't know where your next meal was going to come from, you, knew, you know that you're in need in that moment in a way that a lot of us spend our lives not being aware of. 
You see, most of us, we're not aware of our needs. You know, we, we go throughout life and, and we have enough money to make ends meet. We go throughout life and, and we have food on the table. We go throughout life and, yeah, some sad things happen, but, but for some of us, you know, life's been pretty good up until now, right? In the midst of this pandemic when our whole world's just kind of turned upside down and it looks different and, and everybody's anxious and doesn't know what to think or do. You see, but Jesus is pointing out that there's actually blessing that comes in the midst of being aware of your need. Because what need does is it shows us that we need God. That we're not self-sufficient. That we can't do this thing on our own. That we need someone outside of us who is more powerful than us, who has more resources than we could possibly imagine, and who has good intentions for us who has a plan for us, who's wiser than we are. We need someone outside of ourselves. We need a creator, a redeemer, a sustainer of life. You see, we need God, and in the midst of need, we begin to see that. And there's nothing like a global pandemic to show us our need. You see, right now, many of us who haven't been in, in any real experience of need or at least been aware of it are experiencing that now. Some of us are, are losing jobs, our livelihoods. Some of us are experiencing anxiety and depression the way we never have before. Our emotions, we don't know what to do with them. Some of us are in, in home situations where, where things are being exposed that, that have been there the whole time, but all this time together is finally kind of bringing out the problems and, and showing us that things are, are not as good as we thought they were. Some of us are getting ill and potentially losing loved ones or losing our own lives. You see, there's nothing like a global pandemic to turn the world upside down and remind it that it needs its maker. You see, and so there's this sense in which I'm actually thankful for this time that we're walking through right now. I'm not thankful for the pandemic itself or, or the suffering that many of us are walking through and the trials we're experiencing. I'm not thankful for suffering itself, but here's what I am thankful for. I'm thankful for what God does in the midst of it. I'm thankful for the ways that the Lord works in our lives and in our hearts when he shows us and reminds us that we need him. You see, that's the blessing of need. It's this idea that when God wakes us up to show us that we're not self-sufficient, that we need him, that we can actually find that true and lasting joy, happiness, and flourishing. And we don't find it unless God shows us that we need him. We can go our whole lives not being aware that we need God. And it's devastating You see, so Jesus, he, he points out that there's this idea that need is not actually such a terrible thing because it actually shows us the way to lasting joy, how to find true happiness in Christ and relationship with God. 
If you look with me at uh, verse 23 there, he says, in that day, in that day where, where everyone is, is hating you, when people don't like you, when, when people are saying bad things about you because of your relationship with God, he says, in that day when, when you're poor, when you're hungry, when you weep, when you grieve loss, he says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. And he said, Jesus, what do you mean? What do you mean in the midst of my grief I can rejoice? What do you mean in the midst of my poverty, in the midst of my, my need and my strain, that I can, I, can, I can thank the Lord and have joy? What do you mean that in the midst of my, my hunger and dissatisfaction that I can find satisfaction in you? What do you mean? Look at what he says now. He says, for behold. So he's given us the reason here. And that word behold, it means, it means see or understand. He says, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. See, Christians rejoice now. Despite suffering, despite trials, despite the hard things that we're walking through right now. We rejoice now because of our future hope. You see, you'll, you'll notice as you read back through those verses, maybe you'll read through them later when, when we're done here, you'll see that it first starts out with Jesus saying, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom. So he talks about a present reality, and then he goes on to talk about future realities as well. So there's this present sense in which Christians can be blessed, flourish, happy, joyful now, and then there's also this aspect in which we're awaiting something. We're looking forward to something. He says, those who are hungry now are blessed, for you shall be satisfied. Those who weep now, for you shall laugh. And then he says, those who are, are hated by others, uh, because on that last day, that day that's coming, your reward is great. You see, the, the Bible is, is so, so honest with us about suffering, about trials, about neediness in life, and how hard it is to walk through. But it also gives us a hope in the midst of it. You see, in Romans chapter 8, here's what Paul says about suffering. In verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, so the things we're walking through right now, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So he says, the things we're walking through right now, yeah, they're extremely hard, they're painful, it hurts. But they're not even comparable to the glory and the good things that await us that God is bringing. He goes on in verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. It's no time like a pandemic to understand how creation groans and, and longs for its creator to bring about restoration. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await adoption as sons. Look at what he says, the redemption of our bodies. You see, so Paul, Paul had a resurrection hope in the midst of his suffering. In the midst of his neediness, in the midst of his trials in life, he looked to Christ's resurrection because here's what Christ's resurrection is evidence of for us. It's evidence that one day 
you and I will be resurrected as well. You see, one, he says, we await eagerly the redemption of our bodies. In the midst of a global pandemic, when people are getting sick and dying and, and things don't look as they should, we eagerly await the day when God is going to redeem our bodies and resurrect us from the grave. Those of us who have trusted in Jesus' resurrection, his resurrection secures for us ours. That sickness, illness, death is not the end. And it may be dark now, but there is light that is present and coming. You see, the resurrection gives us hope in the midst of our neediness. We can be blessed, we can flourish, we can be happy in the midst of our need when God shows us our need for him and how he satisfies that need, how he brings about redemption and restoration and what he's still going to do and at work doing now. So Jesus says, understand and look forward to what awaits you because of the resurrection and you will know true and lasting happiness and joy. You see, but then we've got to talk about this other aspect because Jesus goes on and he talks about what I call the problem of good. So look with me at what he says here. He says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. You see, Jesus is offering a warning here. And, 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 and I call this the problem of good. You see, maybe you've heard about the problem of evil before. You know, this is, this is something that theologians and philosophers and, and really all of us uh, debate. We wrestle with it. The problem of evil is this idea that when we look at the world, we see all this suffering, all this pain. We see so much evil that it makes it really hard for us to believe that there is a good God who is in control and at work in the midst of it. You see, we've, we've been wrestling with that question as humanity since the beginning of time, since, since, since everything fell apart in Genesis 3, when we sinned against God and walked away from him. We've been wrestling with this question. Why does God allow there to be suffering and need and pain and evil in the world? And and it's a question we'll continue to wrestle with. You know, I think one of the, one of the most helpful things that I ever had a, a pastor tell me as I was wrestling with that question is honestly, we don't have all the answers. I mean, that's part of our relationship and way that we relate to God. We have this need for a God who does know the answers that we don't know. And there's a kind of rest that comes in trusting in someone who knows what you don't know. And, and what he told me was, so there's a lot that we don't know about God, about suffering, about this life. But what the gospel does tell us and what the Bible tells us, what the scriptures proclaim to us is that this God who made all things, this God who made you and me, this God who, 
who is always good, trustworthy, and true, who always does what is right, and this God whom we have rebelled against and, and walked away from has good plans for us. This God who's allowed us to walk in the consequences of that, experiencing suffering and, and further sin and, and the grief that comes with it. This God who's allowed all of this to play out. He hasn't just stood on or sat on his throne and watched it spin. Instead, he's entered into the world. He's entered into our pain, into our suffering, into our trials, into our pandemic. God, in the person of Jesus Christ, has entered into it with us. He's with us in the mess. He's with us now. You see, the gospel, it tells us a story of, of a God who, who didn't just watch suffering play out, but instead he entered into the world and he became a victim of the same evil that you and I experience in this world. And he did it for us. You see, so, so, so we don't know all, all the ways to answer these, this problem of evil or, or ways to wrestle with the questions that surround it, but we do know that there is a God who is with us in it who has entered into our pain with us, that he might redeem us from the sin that brings it about. You see, Jesus, the good news is that he came to be with us and to redeem us from sin. And one day he'll deliver us from suffering, wiping every tear from our eyes. So that's the problem of, of evil, but I wanna talk about for a few minutes the problem of good. You see, the problem of good is, is almost the inverse or the opposite of the problem of evil. The problem of good is this idea that when life is going well, we're unaware of our need for God. Because we believe that we're sufficient when everything's going well. And that life is, is just fine without him. You see, there's, there's four things that I want to point out to you here that, that keep us from believing the resurrection within this problem of good. Jesus says, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. The first thing that keeps us from believing the resurrection is riches, is wealth, is money. You see, Jesus, he says, woe to you, he, that's a warning word. What he's saying is that, woe to you who are rich, who aren't seeing your need for God, because, because judgment is coming. Because you're separated from God and you don't even know it and, and you don't know your need for Christ. And, and so woe to you, there, there's something coming, be aware, wake up. He says, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation, your comfort. In other words, Jesus, he says, for the person who doesn't see their need for God, this, this life, is as good as it gets. What your money can buy you is as good as it gets if you don't know the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, this is as good as it'll ever be for you. But for the believer in Christ, this is the worst that it gets. See, for those who don't trust in Christ, it's all downhill from here. But for those who are aware of their need for God, who are trusting in Jesus and in his resurrection, it's all uphill from here. You see, he says, woe to you who are rich. You've already received your consolation, your reward, your comfort. 
This is as good as it gets for you, separated from God. He says, woe to you. See, here's the thing about riches, is that when we believe we have the resources to buy anything and everything that we need, we don't look to God to provide what we need because we think we can do it ourselves. One of the things that I see most often as, as a pastor is that oftentimes people start coming to church, start reading their Bible, start praying. Whenever they have a financial difficulty in life, whenever things are, are not going well and they don't know how they're gonna make ends meet, they'll, they'll start coming to church, they'll start you know, doing the religious thing. And then as soon as God provides for their need, you don't see them again. They stop coming to church. They stop reading the Bible. They stop praying to God. How often do we do this? When God provides exactly what we need, and then all of a sudden, we forget that we needed him in the first place. See, we're tempted to believe in our self-sufficiency. And it's a lie. Not one of us is self-sufficient. There's nothing like a pandemic to show us that. To show us that we're needy. Second thing that keeps us from believing the resurrection is satisfaction. Jesus says, woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. He's saying, woe to you who are satisfied and comfortable right now, who are not aware of your need. Because here's the thing, when when all our physical needs are met on earth, we don't realize that our spiritual needs can only be met from heaven. The worst thing for your spiritual health for your spiritual growth, for your relationship with God, is comfort. The worst thing for you spiritually is for you to be physically comfortable. You see, whenever we're comfortable, we we don't see our need to pursue God. We don't have this desire to strain after him and strive after him. Thirdly, Jesus says that happiness keeps us from believing the resurrection. That's ironic, right? We're talking about happiness. He says, woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. He says, woe to you who are happy and having lots of fun and and life is just just good and, and you're laughing. And he's not saying that happiness and laughter are a bad thing. That's not what that's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. But when we find our happiness outside of God, not needing him at all, then we don't want to look to God for joy. I don't think we need to. Gosh, one of the most devastating things that I've ever seen, I I saw this week, there's this new streaming service that's made for your phone, and and there's this this self-help kind of show on there. And and it's, it's hosted by someone who who calls himself even, even a Christian author. And, and as I was watching it, the, this first kind of week of the show, there was these short clips that were about happiness and how to find it. The first one was, was how we can find true happiness in life. And this you know, supposedly Christian self-help author had this whole series on happiness and didn't mention God one time. You see, here's the thing is that when we're successful, when, 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 when all there is is laughter in life, when all there is is good, when we don't experience trials, when we don't experience neediness, 
we're tempted to believe that we don't need God and, and that we can be happy without him, that we can have joy, that we can have laughter, and that it'll last. But here's the thing is this kind of happiness that's without God and separated from him, that's based on our ability to achieve success in marriage and business and parenting and friendships and life, this kind of happiness, it deceives us. It doesn't last. One day it does end. This is as good as it gets. It doesn't get better than this, separated from the Lord. You see, so, so happiness can, can keep us from believing the resurrection, from seeing our need for Christ's resurrection. And finally, Jesus says, praise from others keeps us from believing the resurrection. He says, woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets, those who told lies about God and life to God's people. Those who, who, who pandered to, to the itching ears of those who would hear them and, and said what they wanted to hear. See, there's a lot of people who are writing books and, and teaching and preaching and, and doing things. And, and what they say, their message, is, is what people want to hear. They tickle itching ears. And they're false prophets who are lying about who God is and who we are and, and our need for the cross and the resurrection of Christ. Our need for redemption from sin and, and, the only, the, and the only solution to suffering, which is the restoration that God is going to bring about. He says, woe to you when all people speak well of you, when everyone likes you and what you've got to say. Because here's the thing is that when the whole world agrees with you, with everything that you've got to say, it's probably true that God disagrees with you. You see, when everyone tells us we've got it all together, that we're good, that we're fine, you just need to boost your self-esteem because you've got the resources within yourself to be happy, to have a good life, that you don't need anyone or anything else. This is the message, right? This is what we hear in our culture, this is what every self-help book that you pick up in the bookstore says, and it's the biggest section of the bookstore, is that we can find it within ourselves, that we aren't in need of anyone or anything. When everyone tells us we've got it all together, we do not believe that we need a God to save us and redeem us. You see, but here's, here's what I want to conclude on going back to this idea of the blessing of need, is that neediness can lead us to believe and trust in the resurrection for happiness and everlasting life, for true human flourishing. And, and, and like I said, there's nothing like a global pandemic. I, I think this might be God trying to wake us up trying to wake his creation up, trying to wake his people up to show us our need. This, is, this has been one of the things that God has been reminding me of daily over the last couple months is my need for him. 
See, we're all tempted to trust in ourselves and our own abilities. I'm tempted to do that. As a pastor, that's how I, that's how I know all of us are. We're tempted to self-sufficiency. We're tempted to do our work in our own strength. To, to, that we're tempted to believe these lies that we are sufficient, that we can find it in ourselves. But when God exposes our need, when he brings us to a place where, where we have no choice but to throw ourselves on his mercy and grace and to trust in what he's done for us in Christ, place our hope in someone who is outside of us, who is above us, who reigns over us, and yet enters into the mess with us. We can have true and lasting joy. When we're poor, hungry, grieving, and outcast, we become aware of our need for a God who can provide us, provide for us, comfort us, and welcome us into a place where we actually belong. We become aware in the midst of things like a pandemic where people are getting sick and dying of a God who can conquer death. We need this kind of God. I love how David Platt put this the other day. Because right now, it's, it's a dark and hard and strange time for us. But here's the hope of Easter. Easter is a declaration that no matter how hard the days may be, sickness and suffering coronaviruses and cancer, despair and death will not be the end of the story. The resurrection is proof of that. that This isn't the end of the story, friends. That there's another part and it's glorious and it's good and it brings us hope in the midst of what we walk through right now. Paul, he said in 2 Corinthians that he didn't want the, his brothers and sisters in Christ, those who, who, who were around the world that trusted in Christ, he didn't want them to be unaware of the suffering that he walked through because something that God does in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials, is that even when we feel, as he says, that we, we receive the sentence of death, that things can't look up possibly for us, he says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, the resurrection is our hope in times of sickness and in the face of death because our king has overcome the grave. The resurrection is our hope in times of sorrow and loss because Jesus will return to wipe every tear from our eyes and because he is alive. The resurrection is our hope when we lose jobs and we experience financial strain and we're poor in life because Christ has secured an inheritance that is imperishable for us. The resurrection is our hope in the midst of depression, darkness, and despair. Because Jesus is the light of the world, and the light of Christ's resurrection shines in the dark places, and the darkness does not overcome the light of Christ. So here's my question, and we'll end with this. Are you aware of your need? Or has life just been pretty good and, and you think you can do it without God? Is the Lord showing you right now in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the things we're walking through, that you need him, that you need Christ, that you need the cross and the resurrection that we celebrate today? 
Are you trusting in the resurrection of Christ for true and lasting joy and happiness? Do you believe that you need him to flourish? That the good life is actually found in relationship to God, which is made possible through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Are you aware of your need? Let's pray. Father God, I'm thankful in the midst of what we're walking through right now that that even as hard as, as it is, that you are at work in us. That your spirit works in our hearts, that you're drawing us closer to you, that you're teaching us to rely on you in new ways. God, I pray for my friends who, who haven't yet seen their need for you. Who think they can find it all in themselves. God, would you use this time to expose that need? Would you help us to see more clearly? Lord Jesus, help us to hear your words of blessing and woe this morning and to turn to you in repentant faith, to turn from trusting in sin and in ourselves and, and walking in those things and to walk with you hoping that this is not the end of the story, but your resurrection shows us that there is an end coming in which you'll wipe every tear from our eyes, you'll restore our bodies even better than they were before, and we have a reason now to hope because of that. And so, Lord, we look to you in faith, and we ask that you would continue working in us. In Jesus' name, amen.